This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Okay, Psalm 37, um, talked a little bit last week about the pa- about really about the power of desire, how desire connects with the will of God and how they all kind of connect together. I want to talk this morning, kind of connected with the same verse really, how the power of, really, the power of delight. And I think it's a powerful truth, the importance of learning to delight ourselves in God. Power of delight. Let's just read it from verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. That verse again. Delight yourself in the Lord, and I give you the desires of your heart. I think the really the question is, and I think often we can so easily get into this that our Christian life can become a duty rather than a delight. And really, that's the challenge. Really, really, this morning is your Christian life a duty or is it a delight? And I think there's, there's incredible power released when we learn to make our Christian life a delight rather than a duty. And I think many can sort of start off with the delight, but through all the, the pressures and the difficulties and the challenges of life, they kind of lose the delight and they end up as their Christian life becoming just a duty. And really it's down to, to, to what motivates your heart. If duty motivates our hearts, we tend to find it very hard to really go forward with God. Uh, because duty, duty after a time begins to wear you down. But when delight is your motivation, it's amazing. How you, almost nothing's too much trouble. Have you noticed that? If it's duty, every little thing is a bit of a, it's too much trouble. But, but when delight at the centre of your heart, nothing you do is too much trouble. Because it's a delight. It's something you enjoy. It's something you delight in doing. And I think there's incredible power released when we as believers begin to develop this attitude of learning to delight ourselves in the Lord. And that's really the challenge. Is your Christian life just a duty or is it a delight? When it's not a delight, we tend to pull back. We tend not to really be motivated in the way we, we need to be when it's just a duty. I think delight is, is a mindset. It's an attitude of the heart. It's approach of life. To delight is to, is to, is to have joy, gladness. It's about being thrilled. You're thrilled with your relationship with God. You're, you're thrilled about the things of God. You're rejoicing in God himself. And God's saying, I delight in you, so why don't you Delight in me, amen? And I just think as we, as we kind of really hit this in different angles and different ways, we're going to see incredible truth. The power of living a life of delight. Here's the first thing about it. Notice it's a command. It's not something that we say, I wonder, perhaps I'll pray about this, or, or, or maybe I'll, I'll consider doing it. This is actually a command. Delight yourself in the Lord. It was when Adam and Eve stepped out of the will of God, when they disobeyed God. 
Isn't it interesting the Bible says that before they disobeyed, before they fell, they would, they would meet God, the Bible says, in the call of the day. And they would delight, they would enjoy being with God. But the moment they disobeyed, the moment they fell, the Bible says they hid themselves from God. The delight went out of it. And they hid themselves from God. Instead of enjoying God, they hid themselves from Him. I think God has put something of delight in the power of creation. Have you noticed that? And if you, a couple of days, well, just a couple of, more, couple of mornings ago, we went for a walk, took the dog for a walk, and there was this just incredible sun rising. It was absolutely, the, the colours were, I, mean, I didn't even see that, it was absolutely awesome, the colours of, of the sun rising. It was just incredible. Or maybe you look at the ocean, there's something about creation that, that God almost has put within it a delight. Don't you delight? It doesn't even you just, wow, this, you just want to applaud creation almost. Because there's something in creation that brings and causes a delight to rise up in our hearts. Because I think God has kind of put that delight there. He says, delight yourself. Remember, God would not have asked you to do something that wasn't possible, amen? So it's a command because God says, this is possible. You can live a life of delights. And when you make him the centrality of your delight, you know, the Bible says if you delight in the Lord, what does he give you? The desires of your heart. As he becomes the centrality of your desires, if you like, as, you be, as he becomes the, the centrality of your delight, out of that, your desires begin to come in line with God's design and purpose for you. See, the problem is often there's desires there, but those desires are not the desires that God's instilled in us. The more I begin to delight in him, then his desires begin to grow and birth in me. And my desires begin to come in, become in alignment with his desires and his purpose. And when your desire comes in alignment with God's purpose, incredible things break out. Amen? There's the next thing. Is a, is, a, is a command. But I think delight is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's an affection. And there's the thing that, that God needs to almost add affections. Delight begins to awaken your affections. As you read the word, as you obey, as you worship, as you meditate on the word of God, you know what happens? It's incredible you, the, the, the desires of your heart just begin to awaken. Something awakens inside. And what delight does, it awakens your heart. I believe with all my heart, there's certain affections that God's put in us. But unless we learn to delight in the Lord, those affections never really burst out. When I talk about affections, I mean, you know, you look at it naturally. How do we love the unlovely? That's a, that's a God affection. That's God's infection in our hearts. He, he causes that affection that kind of affection to rise in us. The love to love the unlovely. The, the ability to, to have joy in hard circumstances. The ability to have incredible peace reigning in your heart. Those are emotions that are, that they are affections that God stirs in you as you delight in him. Then these affections in your heart begin to, begin to awaken in you. You find you have a love that you never really knew you had. You, there's a joy there that you didn't really know was there. A peace rises up within you. As you delight in the Lord, it awakens all kinds of godly affections in your heart. You have a yearning to win lost people for Jesus. 
You have a yearning to see captives set free. You have a yearning to to, to reach out to the broken and the hurting because as you are delighting in the Lord, so God is awakening His affections in your heart. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. How do we kind of do that? How do we delight in the Lord? I delight in my wife by spending time with her. I've got written down here, and I don't know if this is true, actually. I delight in football by watching it, but I'm not delighting. I'm not, that's not really bringing her much delight at the moment. But anyway, you know, or, or you delight in the rugby. <laughs> you know, by watching it. Instead of bringing torment and pain. You know, but those things happen as you begin to do them. I delight myself in food, particularly during the October time, by eating the tenefes, amen? <laughs> Going for the tenefes helps me to delight myself in food by eating it. <sighs> One of the great delights I have at the moment is, those of us who have got grandchildren know this, it's like, all my kind of grandchildren stories come out that I never had before. They kind of come, come bursting out now. But one of the things I love is, is seeing our grunts and smile. How many remember? It? Just that first, that smile, just to get him to smile. It brings an amazing delight to just to see him, get, get him to smile. You know, that is sort of a sense of delight. But how do we delight ourselves in God? I just want to give you a few things of how we can delight ourselves in God. I think we develop delight when you focus on Jesus. So much of the songs this morning have focused on Jesus. You make every connection with him. It's almost the, the sheer pleasure of being saved. The sheer pleasure of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So almost everything that comes to us is not because of our performance, but because of our placement in Christ. The joy of being in Christ. Isn't that amazing? God has placed you and has put you in Christ. And because of your position, because of your placement in Christ, your prayers are answered. You overcome challenges. There's incredible strength available. There's all the resources available, not because of who you are, but because of that you have been placed in Christ. And that placement in Christ should just bring such an overwhelming sense of delight. Just to delight yourself in who you are in Christ. Isn't that awesome? To think that Christ dwells in me. To think I've been placed in Christ. I think when you really understand that, when you really get a revelation of that, when that really grabs hold of you, the result will be delight. If we don't really know our identity, if we don't really know who we are, we're never really going to be able to delight. Delight comes out of knowing I'm in Jesus. Jesus in me. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm in Christ. Not based on my performance, but where I'm placed in. And the Bible says you are placed in Christ. You know what? You're seated in the heavenly places. That's your placement. That's your position. That's your identity. And when you understand that, delight rises up in your heart. I think delight comes when you realise the majesty of Jesus. When we see how amazing Jesus is, it wakes up all the delights that comes with it. You know, you think about this. What you see 
affects what you feel. Let me give you an example. And it kind of happens quite a lot. Ever seen something really depressing on the news? You know, know, so really horrible. Doesn't it affect how you feel? What you see affects how you feel. So here's the point. If I really see Jesus, I cannot but be anything but stunningly delighted in him. I think when you really see Jesus, you become struck with awesome wonder. You're overwhelmed by the majesty of Jesus. And as I found that the one reason why we don't really get dependent on Jesus is because we've never seen how awesome and how amazing he is. Because the more awesome, the more amazing I see he is, the more dependent I become. So how can I not be dependent on someone who's so amazing? Is that right? And I think what the church needs to recover is the ability to be amazed by Jesus. I think the saddest thing really is to say we belong to Jesus but we're never really amazed by him. We're never stunned by his beauty. We're never stunned by his glory and his majesty. He never stuns the heart, never amazes us and gives us awesome wonder. And we've got to recover that delight in Jesus. I think just to get a glimpse of him should give us awe-struck wonder. So I think one of the things God wants to create in us is a, a sense of fascination in Jesus. We're just fascinated with him. We're just absolutely struck in awesome wonder, how amazing and awesome, how great he is. One of the things that the church has lost really overall in the Western world is that ability to be struck with awe at how amazing Jesus is. Just be absolutely overwhelmed by his stunning power, his stunning beauty, by his stunning majesty. Our hearts become awed and stunned by it. And that creates an incredible delight in your heart. When we have a low view of Jesus, then we're never going to be delighted in him. And part of the problem is we have such a low view of him. Our hearts are never stunned. Our hearts are never amazed. Our hearts are never overwhelmed by sheer majesty. And the moment your heart is stunned by Jesus, you delight yourself in him. Amen. You just delight yourself in him. Part of the problem is, is that we never, sometimes people never really see who he is. We know he forgives our sins and that's awesome. Amen. We know he can heal bodies. We know he breaks chains. We know he does these amazing things. And often, here's the problem, we only see Jesus, what he can do, rather than who he is. And he's awesome. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's full of power. He's full of of, of strength and ability. And we need to, to gaze, not only what he does, and that's amazing, I, I love the stuff he does, I only love the stuff he does. I love the forgiveness, I love the healings, I love the miracles, I love all that stuff. But I want my heart to be stunned by who he is, not just what he does. Let me show you a verse. Philippians 3, verse 8. Being stunned by the sheer majestic power of who Jesus is brings delight to the heart. You know, 
how do we really see how wonderful and how amazing, how do we get our hearts stunned by the, by the majesty, by the, by the glory of Jesus? You know how? We've got a hunger for it. He will not share it unless our hearts are hungry for him. We're hungry for Jesus. We're hungry to know who he is. Look at this great verse in Philippians 3, verse 8. This is a known verse, but how powerful it is. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. You know, I, one commentator describes this, and he's in, I love the term, he says, this is, this is Paul describing Jesus as his magnificent obsession, I love that. You know, there's certain obsessions that kind of mess us up, amen? People can have all kinds of obsessions that kind of mess their lives up big time. Mess their lives and take their time and energy. But there's one obsession which is the greatest obsession you can have. And that is to have an obsession with Jesus. And this verse tells me, really, that Jesus was Paul's magnificent obsession. Because he's worthy of that obsession. And I don't think that, that when Paul said, he says, I made the sacrifices I did, I gave up the things I needed to give up, I dealt with the things I needed to deal with, because I was in awestruck wonder at the sheer magnificence of Jesus. He calls it the excellencies of Christ. It's almost like this picture of a diamond, where there's all kinds of facets of who Jesus is. And he says, the more facets I discover of him, the more my heart is awestruck in wonder. And I count everything as rubbish, all the things I've had to lay down, all the sacrifices I've made, I count them as dung, as rubbish, compared to the excellencies of knowing Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Of knowing Christ Jesus. And I don't think there's, there's no revelation that transforms the heart and satisfies the heart, that changes the emotions from boredom and depression and guilt and compromise, than to have a revelation of Jesus. See, a lot of people can actually enter into a kind of spiritual boredom. But the moment your heart is stunned and you gain something of revelation of the excellences of Christ, it's exciting. Your heart is excited and you come alive by having this revelation, this picture of who Jesus is. And I think the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to the human heart. And the moment he reveals Jesus to the human heart, we're struck in awesome wonder with him. Because the Holy Spirit desires to put Jesus on the centre stage. He says, when I come, I, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal Jesus. He'll make Jesus real to you. He'll reveal who he is. He'll show you all the fastest. He'll show you all the, the glorious personality. The Holy Spirit will reveal your, his heart, your heart to, by Jesus. One of the titles of Jesus is powerful. The Bible calls him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. One thing about a lion, you don't tame a lion, is that right? And Jesus' sight is described as, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And here's the problem. Sometimes we want to domesticate Jesus. One that we can tame. The one that makes no demands on our time and our money or attitude or lifestyles. But Jesus, when we understand, when we get a revelation of Jesus truly is, it's the most pleasurable, powerful reality that we can ever experience. 
Something changes on the inside when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to the human heart. Something changes inside you. Something of your emotions change. Something of every part of your being changes when the Holy Spirit brings an incredible revelation of Jesus. Sometimes the biggest enemy can be a passivity towards the majesty of Jesus. But the more I get a glimpse of Jesus, it awakens and stirs and moves my heart to do amazing things for him. Amen. Here's the next thing. Mature, have an attitude of gratitude and worship. In other words, if we're going to delight in the Lord, really, delight really is, is manifested through praise and worship. Isn't that right? The more I praise him, the more I worship him, the more I delight in him. You can't delight in him but not worship and praise him. Is that right? Because part of your expression of delight is worship and praise. You begin to just remember all your previous experiences in him. You remember the moment your guilt and your guilt and shame was lifted. The moment your sins were forgiven. The situations and circumstances he turned around. The needs he met. The love he revealed to you. It's interesting when you look at Psalm 37, one we just read. Three times it says, do not fret. Don't worry. It's very hard to delight yourself in the Lord and to praise him and still be full of worry and anxiety. Have you noticed that? Almost the two can't connect together. The moment I praise him, the moment I delight in him, it's if all the worry, all the anxiety, all the stress begins to kind of lift from my heart. Bible says about the children of Israel. When they crossed the Red Sea, the Bible says they worshipped, they praised. They were so amazed by what God did. They were absolutely dancing, they were celebrating. It was amazing and awesome and they just celebrated and praised. But the moment there were a few difficult circumstances to arise, the Bible says they began to moan and they began to complain. And they began to lose their perspective of who God was. And the moment they lost their perspective of who God was, and the moment they ceased to delight in the Lord, they never entered into what God had made available for them. Now look at Paul and Silas on the other hand. The Bible says they were beaten with rods. You know, I did a study just recently about what it meant. I was doing various ways, different things. What it meant, I was reading how, what it meant to be beaten with rods. I used to think they just got kind of beat with a few rods. You know why they used to beat them with rods? They beat them with rods to break their feet so they couldn't preach, so they couldn't go out and preach anymore. That's why they, they would break your feet. That's what basically it was. So you think about it. They beat their, in other words, their feet were broken. And in the midst of that, they were beaten with rods, bones in their body were broken, and the Bible says they began to delight themselves in God. They worshipped, they praised him. And the Bible says that out of that, God responded. He released his power. Incredible things happened. And the whole, you know, all the jailers, the jailman was saved, and all the, the, the chains, the, the prison doors were burst open. Remember that? And this incredible move of God took place. Here's the question. I wonder what would have happened if they never delighted in the Lord. I wonder what would have happened if they all moaned and complained about what their circumstance was. I wonder how different that circumstance would have been. I believe that the moment they began to praise and delight in God, they had this amazing God encounter. God 
brought about some amazing things because they delighted in the Lord. And the and I think with all my heart, as we begin to delight in the Lord, we spoke about chains earlier, those chains begin to be broken off as you begin to delight yourself in the Lord. Isn't that powerful? You know what worship really is in essence? It's not just singing songs, not just going through the ritual of things, if you like. It's when your heart is overwhelmed by how amazing, how awesome, how great God is. That's what worship is. It's a sense of awe. Wow, God, you're amazing. You're a God of miracles. You're the God who created heaven and earth. You're the God who just is so powerful and mighty. And, and you're just, there's a sense of awe of God and who he is. In Acts 28, there's a warning that Paul gives. He quotes the scripture, but it's a warning to the church, really. He says, you have, beware that you don't become dull of hearing. He warns really against dullness of heart. I think dullness of heart is when you lose the ability to be astonished. When you lose the ability to, to have a sense of awe and wonder. And your heart becomes dull. You've lost that ability. And from that, things become just mechanical. Christianity becomes, is no longer life-changing. It becomes life-enhancing. Dullness, when you think about it, is the absence of brightness. When something's dull, it's not bright, is that right? So to have dullness of heart means you've lost your brightness. You've lost your sparkle. You know what I mean, that sparkle? Something in you, the sparkle's gone. There's dullness there. And you no longer have the ability just to be amazed in who he is. And to worship him and and be stunned by him. Because the the heart has grown dull. But as you delight in the Lord, it makes your sparkle come back. Amen. You sparkle. You shine. Because of your delight in the Lord. Here's the next thing. Desire to please God and you will be delighted in God. So much obedience nourishes the joy and delight in your heart. Jesus says, if you obey me, your joy shall be what? Full. I just look at a verse in Psalm 1 too. We're told that the, that the commandments, what, what, what should we do with the, with, with the, with the commandments, the, the things God desires for us? What, how, what should our attitude be like to it? It says this, but his what? Delight is in the law of the Lord. We just delight in his commandments. We delight in, in the things he requires us to do. You know, the highest level of obedience is love. Obedience out of duty is always limited. But when you obey God because you love him, that's the highest form of obedience. Hiya. Delight yourself. I think when we, when we disobey, it kind of makes us miserable. It diminishes our capacity to delight in him. It drains us of our spiritual energy. It lays waste our ability to focus on God. It anesthetizes our spirit of God's presence and activities. You know what disobedience does? It kind of releases, I, kind of, kind of, I call them spiritual toxins in our hearts. And our hearts become dull and, and far and cold. But delight yourself, and you delight yourself 
in obeying God. It's amazing. Let me show you one, one more verse. Isaiah 58. Delight comes. Disobedience takes away your ability to delight in God. Obedience always gives you the ability to delight in Him. This amazing verse in Isaiah 58. Look at the last verse of Isaiah 58. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. What's that saying? The whole of Isaiah 58 really is about living a lifestyle of, of unselfishness. Living a lifestyle that pleases God. Because he says there, then... It's all about fasting. It's all about doing things that please God. He says, if you would live a life that pleases God, then the result of that will be that you will delight yourself in Him. I think the person who lives to please God will always be extremely happy. He'll be totally satisfied with his life. He'll be totally satisfied with who he is. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord God. Very quickly, let me just bring you some results of delighting in the Lord. Go back, to Isaac, go back to Psalm 37. These are some of the results of when you delight yourself in the Lord. Some of the benefits that happen. Here's the first thing it says. In verse 1 it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Delighting in the Lord is so huge. It kind of dwarfs people's opinions of you. You no longer get offended. You no longer get upset with what people are doing. Because the more I delight myself in the Lord, it almost protects me from being offended. It's very hard to really be offended when you're really caught up with delighting in the Lord. You're never kind of affected by what people might say or what people might do. You're no longer put off or or put away from that because the delight of the Lord sometimes quashes any view or any opinions or any offence that people have of you. You know what the crazy thing is sometimes? It's easier to be healed than offended. Don't you realise that? It really is, honestly. It's far easier to be healed than to be offended. And the Bible says, if you would delight yourself in the Lord, then the, then, then the, the ability to be offended is not going to be there. The ability to be concerned with maybe people's opinions, what people say about you, just diminishes as you delight yourself in the Lord. Amen. Here's the second thing he does. Verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. As you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, you know what begins to rise up in you? The ability to trust God. The more, you see, how can you trust someone you don't really delight in. Is that right? I can't really trust someone that I don't really enjoy being with and I don't delight in them. But when I delight myself in God, it causes an ability to grow in faith and trust. I trust Him more. I, begin to, I cause faith to rise up in my heart as I begin to trust in Him. And I begin to realise that every problem has a promise attached to it. 
And every promise that's attached to it also has the resources to deal with the problem. Amen. So there's the good thing. You can see. So when problems come along, you, be, you can actually rejoice because you know the bigger the problem, the bigger the resources and the bigger the promise. And your faith begins to grow and deepen. And you begin to trust God in greater realms and greater depths because you have delighted yourself in him. And you commit your ways to him. Why don't we commit our ways to God? Because we're not sure he has our best interests in heart. But the more I know him, the more I delight in him, the more I begin to rely on the fact that his ways are always greater than mine. And I begin to trust him. I commit my ways to him. I commit even the smallest details of my life to him, knowing he's going to cause it to work. And I'm going to trust him to bring it to pass. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. I think delighting in the Lord begins to change the way that you think. You see your problems in a totally different way. Have you noticed that when you're not really in that that place with God, problems seem so big and you're full of negative thoughts and negative attitudes to that problem. But when you begin begin to delight in the Lord, you begin to see, you begin to realize that you can delight because you know God's with you and God is for you. And you begin to change the way you think about a problem. You begin to change the way you perceive things in life. Because you're so caught up, you're so delighting in him, you know he's got everything under his power, under his control. Amen. Now, I think you delight in God because you realize he delights in you. And there's the big issue. A lot of people don't really believe that God delights in them. They believe God tolerates them. They believe God kind of puts up with them. They've never really had a a real true revelation that God actually delights in me. He actually enjoys me. Even though he sees my weaknesses and vulnerabilities, he actually delights in me. He delights in who I am. And when, you see, you can't delight in someone until you realize they delight in you. Is that right? See, what I see in God, I reflect in my life. So if, if I see he delights in me, then my response will be, I will delight in him. And when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord... You begin to hear God in ways you've never heard him. You see things you've never seen. You find yourself saying and doing things you never thought were possible. When you delight yourself with the Lord, your commitment to him becomes one of passion, not of duty. Because delight affects every area of your life. It begins to change. You begin to allow his affections to grow in your heart. You see, it changes everything about you. It changes the deep part of your being, the deep part of your life. Delight yourself. And it moves us to do something for God. Go back to Psalm 37, just a few moments. Let's just read that verse again. Okay, verse 1. Trust in the Lord and do good. And almost as you trust in the Lord, there becomes Something that empowers you. It's a dynamic that empowers you to do amazing things for God. Let's just pray, shall we?
Why don't you just come before him right now? Why not right now? How real Jesus is to you right now? How real is he to you right now? Delight yourself in the Lord. Just have this sense, God, I just want to delight in you. Jesus, just show me who you really are. Show me your, just something about you. I don't want to know you, just for what you do for me. That's amazing, that's awesome. But I want to know you for who you really are. I want to know you for what you really do and for what you really do in my life. And only the Holy Spirit can really reveal that to your heart. You've got a hunger for it. You've got to desire it. You've got a hunger and say, God, above all else, I want to know you. I just want to delight in you. I want to know the excellencies of who you are. Lord, we, we thank you today, Lord, that you call us to delight in you. There's so many things that people in this world can delight in. But we know the greatest thing in the universe is to delight ourselves in the Lord. To be delighted in who you are and what you do. To be delighted in just in your sheer, just the sheer awestruck wonder of who you are. And I just pray today, God, that you just move our hearts, you just touch our hearts, God. That you'd allow our hearts just to delight ourselves in you, in our worship, in every area of our life. Lord, we would just live this life of delight. Lord, that things would just be so awakened in us because we delight ourselves in you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at Delancey.